I want to say a heartfelt thank you to all of those down below me here today who have been leading us in our worship of the Lord together. And it's great to be blessed with people, with gifts, singers, and musicians who can lead us in the praise of the Lord in this way. Sometimes if you're watching a football game or watching another sporting event, whether that's there live or whether it's on TV, there's a player who just seems to stand out. And you watch the performance of that player and you say, that guy there, he is their standout player this season. Or I know that some of you are involved in job interviews through your work. Some here today are governors in, in schools. And part of your responsibility is to recruit staff members. And so you sometimes find yourself sitting on interview panels, and I've been on those panels as well. And maybe a whole afternoon or an evening is taken up with interviews, and there is just that one candidate. And after they leave, someone voices what everybody is thinking. She is the standout candidate. Well, believer in Christ, there is for you a real opportunity to be a standout person, to stand out in your home, in your community, in your place of work, in our society, and not because of any particular ability or skill that you may have, but because you're living a godly life. And the, the writer and the, the preacher, Alistair Begg, he puts it like this, and really think about these words today. This is speaking to Christian people. Today, you can make the invisible God visible. As one of God's people in Christ, you can show the Lord to others through your attitudes, your words, and your actions. And the book of Ruth introduces us to some standout people. So, I would encourage you to turn with me again, please, in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. As this year on the run-up to Christmas, we spend some time looking at this incredible wee book of the Bible. And what we have been saying about this book, and it's certainly been borne out by the reaction of people to this series so far, there is a lot of love for the book of Ruth. And I reckon the reason why that's the case is because there is a lot of love in the book of Ruth. So that last week we discovered how this Moabite girl Ruth stood out from her people and her society. Remember what it was like in that passage that we were looking at in the middle of chapter one. If you flick back to that chapter for just a few moments, the love that she had for Naomi, her mother-in-law, and we discovered it's a kind of love that would not let go. So that when Naomi tried to persuade her foreign daughters-in-law, her Moabite daughters-in-law to go back to their own families where they would have a more secure future, we're told back in chapter 1 and verse 14 that Ruth clung to her. She would not let go. And she expresses that commitment to her mother-in-law in those beautiful words in verses 16 and 17. She puts it like this, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. So that Ruth's 
attitude challenged us as to the way in which we act and think in our relationships. How committed and loving are we? But there was more going on in this story and in the life of Ruth. What actually was deeper was her love for God. Think about her background. She was a Moabitess. She was from the the people of Moab, and they were the sworn enemies of God's people Israel. They were idol worshipers. They had rejected the Lord and chosen to worship idols instead. And let's not be naive here. Ruth was brought up in that. Ruth was immersed in that. That would have been her family story and her own story as well. And yet, listen to what Ruth said to Naomi in verse 16, back in chapter 1. She not only says, your people will be my people, but crucially, she also says, and your God will be my God. This girl from a a godless family was changed. We could say she was converted. She came to know and love God and experience His love in her life. And that's something that we experience through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a need for us to be changed in Jesus as well. And the big challenge is, do you love God? And do you know His love that is found in Christ alone? So, Ruth was a standout woman. And now here in chapter 2, we get to meet a standout guy. His name is Boaz. And from this point on, he becomes one of the central characters in this book. And I want to look at what we discover about Boaz in this chapter under two titles today. The first title is the one that we're going to spend by far the most time on, and then we'll, just for a few moments at the end, touch on the other title as well as we come back to that next week. But the first title about Boaz and what we read of him in this chapter is this, that Boaz is an example to follow. Look at how he's introduced in verse 1. We're told that Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. He was a man of standing. He was someone. And as we read the rest of this book, we'll get to see the extent of his wealth. He was one of the big landowners in Bethlehem. But the ESV puts that phrase in a different way. If you're reading the English Standard Version today, it describes him more accurately to the original language as a worthy man. And that implies something deeper, that he's a standout guy not only because of his wealth and his land, but he is a standout guy because of his character. So, what are you known for? What is it that makes you come to the attention of other people? Is it for good reasons or the wrong reasons? What then makes Boaz such a standout person? Well, he is a worthy man in the worst of times. There is such a contrast between the opening of the first two chapters in Ruth. If you just have those chapters open side by side. Here in chapter 2, right at the beginning of the chapter, we are introduced to Boaz, who is a worthy man. 
But then look back and remind yourself of the way in which chapter 1 in the book begins. And we're reminded of the time in which this story is set, that is, in the days when the judges ruled. And what was that time like? Well, hopefully by now we're, we're starting to learn what this time of the judges was like. We're told back in the book of Judges of that time that in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. People had lost the plot. People were making it up as they went along. They did what they regarded as being right. They judged everything by their own standards and their own interpretation. And as a result of that, here's the terrible truth about Israel at this time. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And is that not such an accurate description of our time too? Is that not the perfect summary of our society today? Over the last few years, I've been reading Richard Osman's books. That's the guy who used to be one of the presenters on Pointless, and he's also a, a really good writer, his Thursday Murder Club books. And I'm currently reading the fourth of Richard Osman's books, and he gets better as he goes along as a writer. It's a beautifully written book, and in many ways, it's a brilliant book, but I've got to say, it is a hopeless book. I mean, quite literally, it is a book that is hopeless because in this book, it gets maybe a wee bit heavier. He's dealing with kind of themes of death. And what he says about death just leaves me as a reader feeling absolutely no hope at all. And I really don't want to give out spoilers today because I know there'll be lots of people who read those books as well. But in this current book, there is a storyline that's running within it. And to be honest, it's a troubling storyline. It's one regarding assisted suicide or, or euthanasia. And what you get to see is that the characters in that book, they do what is right in their eyes, but, was, but which is actually so wrong in the eyes of God. And one of the characters describes it like this. She's commenting on what is happening and this is a summary. Listen to these words, honestly, because this could be a kind of summary of how so many people in our community, in our society, in our world think today. She says there was no right thing, no right thing, no wrong thing, if that's what they wanted. They've harmed no one but themselves, and you're allowed to harm yourself. And yet we have a God who tells us in His Word that we are made in His image. And because of that, there is a great dignity attached to our life. Our life is precious. He's a God who commands us, you shall not kill. So as we come back to the book of Ruth, what made Boaz stand out in a society where people had lost the plot? And then what can make us stand out in our time and our society where people make it up as they go along? Well, here's the truth about this man. Boaz was shaped by an awareness of God and a great desire to live by His law. That's what set 
Boaz apart from the men and the people of his time. And that's seen so clearly here in chapter 2 in the attitudes and the actions that we see from Boaz throughout this chapter. Look at what we see about him. He was welcoming, verses 8 and 9, and it would have been a risky business for Ruth to go out into that field. Don't romanticize this story and imagine that she just kind of waltzed in, she skipped into the field, and everybody embraced her. Oh, there's the girl from Moab, and it was all sweetness. It wasn't. Ruth was an outsider. If you look at verse 6, the foreman of Boaz is quick to point it out. He really emphasizes it. He mentions it twice. She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab, that place, those people. And yet, look at Boaz's welcome to Ruth in verse 8. He says, don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Even Ruth is surprised at his welcome. In verse 10, she asks, she wonders, why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? She's aware that she is different from everybody else. And the thing is that in welcoming a foreigner, Boaz was obeying God's laws about foreigners and the way they should be treated in God's promised land in Israel. And I believe there to be a real application for us at the current time. Many foreign people come to this part of the world, and we're not going to get into the debates today about immigration and all the rest of it. I realize governments have responsibilities, and they have difficult decisions to make, and that's one thing. But then, if we are Christian people at an individual level, what are our attitudes? What do we say about people from elsewhere, and what do we think about them, and how do we act towards them? Boaz was welcoming, and he was generous as well. It's not just that he puts up with Ruth, or he tolerates this girl hanging around. It's much more proactive. Look at verse 9. She was to get a drink of water whenever she wanted. Verse 14, she was invited to eat with the workers, and I love the way the ASV puts it, that she's told to stay and eat until she was satisfied. Now, what a contrast to the start of chapter 1 where she was starving, where her husband died because of famine. And even in verse 16, Boaz arranges for stocks to be left behind. Make it easier for her. Give her some stuff to take home. And for believers in Christ here today, think about how generous God has been with you and what a motivation to then be generous towards others. And then Boaz was protective Look at verse 9, and remember that this was not a good time for people, and it was certainly not a good time for women. If you were to read through the book of Judges, you would read of some terrible incidents of women being abused. And yet, Boaz stands out in verse 9. He makes it clear, I have told the men not to touch you. And you might think, oh, that's all a bit patronizing, it's a bit paternal, and you know, why did he have to say that in the first place? 
Please do not read these words wearing 21st century glasses for a moment. Put yourself back in that time and that society, and it was a terrible society for women, especially a girl from the outside. Even Naomi realized that at the end of the chapter, verse 22, she says, stick around with Boaz because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Or as the ESV puts it, you might be assaulted. And in an age of terrible misogyny, with social media influencers who have such a negative influence on a new generation of men, Today, in particular, we who are Christian men, we have a lot to repent of, that's for sure. And we need to be role models. Boaz was welcoming. He was generous. He was protective. And then he was aware of God, verse 12. And that is the really important thing to understand about this man, Boaz. Why did he live out his life in the way that we see here in chapter 2? Well, it's because he understood who God was and he lived by his law. Look at what he said to Ruth when she thanked him for his kindness. First of all, he talks about her kindness and sticking with Naomi. But then in verse 12, he makes it clear, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Why did Boaz care for this girl? Well, yes, partly because of the care that she had shown to her mother-in-law, her own kindness, but also because he was aware of the Lord's care for her, that she had come under his protecting wings. And therefore, Boaz was going to make sure that that care of the Lord was lived out in her life. And so, will we stop and take time to read and to listen God's Word so that we know how to act in a time when so many people have lost the plot. But the final thing about Boaz, the final reason why he's a great example for us to follow is that ultimately he was godly. When you look at this chapter, he acts as God does. That's what godliness is all about. It's not some kind of you know, more tea vicar thing and all. It's, it's a real living out of our life in the way that God thinks and the way in which God acts. And the crucial verse in this chapter, perhaps in the whole book, is verse 20. Ruth has been telling Naomi about all that has happened and the kindness that Boaz has shown. And Naomi replies, look at these words in verse 20. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And when you read that verse, it can be a bit ambiguous, just as the original language is ambiguous, that the second sentence there, who is the he that she's talking about? Is it Boaz or is it the Lord? The ESV translates it in a slightly different way and it's helpful because it links it in, I think, correctly with the Lord. It says, may he, Boaz, be blessed by the Lord. And in speaking of the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. 
But here's the crucial point as we finish, and it's a wonderful point. In that verse, Naomi could be referring just as much to Boaz as to God, because Boaz has shown a special kind of love to Ruth. It's the kind of love that God has for His people. And the Hebrew word, and I'm not going to try and get too much into the pronunciation today, but it is the word hesed. And if you're really committed to that, you know, it could bring up something in your throat as you try and say it, but hesed is the loving kindness of God. And wonderfully, the the loving kindness of Boaz, his actions in this chapter change Naomi's attitude to the Lord. I want you to see that. Think back to the end of chapter 1, and just in the way that there's such a contrast in how these two chapters begin, there's an amazing contrast in how the two chapters end. Remember back in chapter 1, it ends with bitterness, that Naomi, whose name means pleasant, has the name change. No, I'm not Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she explains to them back in verse 21 of chapter 1, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And now what does she say at the end of chapter 1? Of the Lord, she says, He has not stopped showing His kindness to the living and the dead. Brother and sister in Christ, your kindness can have an incredible gospel impact. It really can. That through your actions, you have an opportunity to make the invisible God visible. And that's what Boaz did here. And do you see what happened? It revived Naomi's faith in the Lord. It revived her love for the Lord. It changed her. We're right out of time. We're not even going to get to the second thing. That's okay. That will wait for next week. But let's say this. Boaz was a standout guy. Boaz was a worthy man in the worst of times. And in this time when our society and our world is in such a mess, and let's face it, it is in such a mess, we need people like this. And I would say today specifically, we need men like this in our church and in our community. Just think about the impact that Boaz's loving kindness had on Naomi. It enabled her to see the truth about God once again, to see clearly who God is and what His heart is like. And think about the impact that your loving kindness can have on others this week, that the invisible God becomes visible to this world when God's people show compassion. And so today, embrace His loving kindness in Christ and be quick to show that loving kindness to others. Amen. We're going to make our 